section thirty eight of english literature by william j long this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nine continued george crabbe seventeen fifty four eighteen thirty two crabbe is an interesting combination of realism and romanticism his work of depicting common life being at times vaguely suggestive of fielding's novels the village seventeen eighty three a poem without a rival as a picture of the working men of his age is sometimes like fielding in its coarse vigor and again like dryden in its precise versification the poem was not successful at first and crabbe abandoned his literary dreams for over twenty years he settled down as a clergyman in a county parish observing keenly the common life around him then he published more poems exactly like the village which immediately brought him fame and money they brought him also the friendship of walter scott who like others regarded crabbe as one of the first poets of the age these later poems the parish register eighteen o seven the borough eighteen ten tales in verse eighteen twelve and tales of the hall eighteen nineteen are in the same strain they are written in couplets they are reflections of nature and of country life they contain much that is sordid and dull but are nevertheless real pictures of real men and women just as crabbe saw them and as such they are still interesting goldsmith and burns had idealized the poor and we admire them for their sympathy and insight it remained for crabbe to show that in wretched fishing villages in the lives of hard-working men and women children laborers smugglers paupers all sorts and conditions of common men there is abundant romantic without exaggerating or idealizing their vices and virtues james macpherson seventeen thirty six seventeen ninety six in macpherson we have an unusual figure who catered to the new romantic interest in the old epic heroes and won immense though momentary fame by a series of literary forgeries macpherson was a scotch schoolmaster an educated man but evidently not over tender of conscience whose imagination had been stirred by certain old poems which he may have heard in gaelic among the highlanders in seventeen sixty he published his fragments of ancient poetry collected in the highlands and alleged that his work was but a translation of gaelic manuscripts whether the work of itself would have attracted attention is doubtful but the fact that an abundance of literary material might be awaiting discovery led to an interest such as now attends the opening of an egyptian tomb and a subscription was promptly raised in edinburgh to send macpherson through the highlands to collect more manuscripts the result was the epic fingal seventeen sixty two that lank and lamentable counterfeit of poetry as swinburne calls it which the author professed to have translated from the gaelic of the poet ossian its success was astonishing and macpherson followed it up with temora seventeen sixty three another epic in the same strain in both these works macpherson succeeds in giving an air of primal grandeur to his heroes the characters are big and shadowy the imagery is at times magnificent 
the language is a kind of chanting bombastic prose now fingal arose in his might and thrice he reared his voice cromla answered around and the sons of the desert stood still they bent their red faces to earth ashamed at the presence of fingal he came like a cloud of rain in the days of the sun when slow it rolls on the hill and fields expect the shower swaran beheld the terrible king of morven and stopped in the midst of his course dark he leaned on his spear rolling his red eyes around silent and tall he seemed as an oak on the banks of lubar which had its branches blasted of old by the lightning of heaven his thousands pour around the hero and the darkness of battle gathers on the hill Note there are several omissions from the text in this fragment from fingal End of note the publication of this gloomy imaginative work produced a literary storm a few critics led by dr johnson demanded to see the original manuscripts and when macpherson refused to produce them note several fragments of gaelic poetry attributed to ossian or oisin are now known to have existed at that time in the highlands macpherson used these as a basis for his epic but most of the details were furnished by his own imagination the alleged text of ossian was published in eighteen o seven some eleven years after macpherson's death it only added another mystery to the forgery for while it embodied a few old and probably genuine fragments the bulk of it seems to be macpherson's work translated back into gaelic End of note the ossianic poems were branded as a forgery nevertheless they had enormous success macpherson was honored as a literary explorer he was given an official position carrying a salary for life and at his death in seventeen ninety six he was buried in westminster abbey blake burns and indeed most of the poets of the age were influenced by this sham poetry even the scholarly gray was deceived and delighted with ossian and men as far apart as goethe and napoleon praised it immoderately thomas chatterton seventeen fifty two seventeen seventy this marvellous boy to whom keats dedicated his endymion and who is celebrated in shelley's adonais is one of the saddest and most interesting figures of the romantic revival during his childhood he haunted the old church of st mary redcliffe in bristol where he was fascinated by the medieval air of the place and especially by one old chest known as caninga's coffer containing musty documents which had been preserved for three hundred years with strange uncanny intentness the child pored over these relics of the past copying them instead of his writing-book until he could imitate not only the spelling and language but even the handwriting of the original soon after the ossian forgeries appeared chatterton began to produce documents apparently very old containing medieval poems legends and family histories centering around two characters thomas rowley priest and poet and william canninger merchant of bristol in the days of henry the sixth 
it seems incredible that the whole design of these medieval romances should have been worked out by a child of eleven and that he could reproduce the style and the writing of caxton's day so well that the printers were deceived but such is the fact more and more rowley papers as they were called were produced by chatterton apparently from the archives of the old church in reality from his own imagination delighting a large circle of readers and deceiving all but gray and a few scholars who recognized the occasional misuse of fifteenth-century english words all this work was carefully finished and bore the unmistakable stamp of literary genius reading now his aella or the ballad of carita or the long poem in ballad style called bristow tragedy it is hard to realize that it is a boy's work at seventeen years of age chatterton went for a literary career to london where he soon afterwards took poison and killed himself in a fit of childish despondency brought on by poverty and hunger thomas percy seventeen twenty nine eighteen eleven to percy bishop of the irish church in dromore we are indebted for the first attempt at a systematic collection of the folk songs and ballads which are counted among the treasures of a nation's literature note for various other collections of songs and ballads antedating percy's see phelps beginnings of the english romantic movement chapter seven end of note in seventeen sixty five he published in three volumes his famous relics of ancient english poetry the most valuable part of this work is the remarkable collection of old english and scottish ballads such as chevy chase the nut brown maid children of the wood battle of otterburn and many more which but for his labor might easily have perished we have now much better and more reliable editions of these same ballads for percy garbled his materials adding and subtracting freely and even inventing a few ballads of his own two motives probably influenced him in this first the different versions of the same ballad varied greatly and percy in changing them to suit himself took the same liberty as had many other writers in dealing with the same material second percy was under the influence of johnson and his school and thought it necessary to add a few elegant ballads to atone for the rudeness of the most obsolete poems that sounds queer now used as we are to exactness in dealing with historical and literary material but it expresses the general spirit of the age in which he lived notwithstanding these drawbacks percy's relics marks an epoch in the history of romanticism and it is difficult to measure its influence on the whole romantic movement scott says of it the first time i could scrape a few shillings together i bought myself a copy of these beloved volumes nor do i believe i ever read a book half so frequently or with half the enthusiasm scott's own poetry is strongly modelled upon these early ballads and his minstrelsy of the scottish border is due chiefly to the influence of percy's work 
besides the relics percy has given us another good work in his northern antiquities seventeen seventy translated from the french of malay's history of denmark this also was of immense influence since it introduced to english readers a new and fascinating mythology more rugged and primitive than that of the greeks and we are still in music as in letters under the spell of thor and odin of freya and the valkyr maidens and of that stupendous drama of passion and tragedy which ended in the twilight of the gods the literary world owes a debt of gratitude to percy who wrote nothing of importance himself but who by collecting and translating the works of other men did much to hasten the triumph of romanticism in the nineteenth century part three the first english novelists the chief literary phenomena of the complex eighteenth century are the reign of so-called classicism the revival of romantic poetry and the discovery of the modern novel of these three the last is probably the most important aside from the fact that the novel is the most modern and at present the most widely read and influential type of literature we have a certain pride in regarding it as england's original contribution to the world of letters other great types of literature like the epic the romance and the drama were first produced by other nations but the idea of the modern novel seems to have been worked out largely on english soil note the first books to which the term novel in the modern sense may be applied appeared almost simultaneously in england france and germany the rapid development of the english novel had an immense influence in all european nations End of note and in the number and the fine quality of her novelists england has hardly been rivaled by any other nation before we study the writers who developed this new type of literature it is well to consider briefly its meaning and history the story element meaning of the novel probably the most significant remark made by the ordinary reader concerning a work of fiction takes the form of a question is it a good story for the reader of to-day is much like the child and the primitive man in this respect that he must be attracted and held by the story element of a narrative before he learns to appreciate its style or moral significance the story element is therefore essential to the novel but where the story originates is impossible to say as well might we seek for the origin of the race for wherever primitive men are found there we see them gathering eagerly about the story-teller in the halls of our saxon ancestors the scop and the tale-bringer were ever the most welcome guests and in the bark wigwams of the american indians the man who told the legends of hiawatha had an audience quite as attentive as that which gathered at the greek festivals to hear the story of ulysses wanderings to man's instinct or innate love for a story we are indebted for all our literature and the novel must in some degree satisfy this instinct or fail of appreciation the romance the second question which we ask concerning a work of fiction is how far does the element of imagination enter into it 
for upon the element of imagination depends largely our classification of works of fiction into novels romances and mere adventure stories the divisions here are as indefinite as the borderland between childhood and youth between instinct and reason but there are certain principles to guide us we note in the development of any normal child that there comes a time when for his stories he desires knights giants elves fairies witches magic and marvelous adventures which have no basis in experience he tells extraordinary tales about himself which may be only the vague remembrances of a dream or the creations of a dawning imagination both of which are as real to him as any other part of life when we say that such a child romances we give exactly the right name to it for this sudden interest in extraordinary beings and events marks the development of the human imagination running riot at first because it is not guided by reason which is a later development and to satisfy this new interest the romance note the name romance was given at first to any story in one of the romance languages like the french metrical romances which we have considered because these stories were brought to england at a time when the childish mind of the middle ages delighted in the most impossible stories the name romance was retained to cover any work of the unbridled imagination End of note was invented the romance is originally a work of fiction in which the imagination is given full play without being limited by facts or probabilities it deals with extraordinary events with heroes whose powers are exaggerated and often adds the element of superhuman or supernatural characters it is impossible to draw the line where romance ends but this element of excessive imagination and of impossible heroes and incidents is its distinguishing mark in every literature the novel where the novel begins it is likewise impossible to say but again we have a suggestion in the experience of every reader there comes a time naturally and inevitably in the life of every youth when the romance no longer enthralls him he lives in a world of facts gets acquainted with men and women some good some bad but all human and he demands that literature shall express life as he knows it by experience this is the stage of the awakened intellect and in our stories the intellect as well as the imagination must now be satisfied at the beginning of this stage we delight in robinson crusoe we read eagerly a multitude of adventure narratives and a few so-called historical novels but in each case we must be lured by a story must find heroes and moving accidents by flood and field to appeal to our imagination and though the hero and the adventure may be exaggerated they must both be natural and within the bounds of probability gradually the element of adventure or surprising incident grows less and less important as we learn that true life is not adventurous but a plain heroic matter of work and duty and the daily choice between good and evil life is the most real thing in the world now not the life of kings or heroes or superhuman creatures 
but the individual life with its struggles and temptations and triumphs or failures like our own and any work that faithfully represents life becomes interesting so we drop the adventure story and turn to the novel for the novel is a work of fiction in which the imagination and the intellect combine to express life in the form of a story and the imagination is always directed and controlled by the intellect it is interested chiefly not in romance or adventure but in men and women as they are it aims to show the motives and influences which govern human life and the effects of personal choice upon character and destiny such is the true novel note this division of works of fiction into romances and novels is a somewhat arbitrary one but it seems on the whole the most natural and the most satisfactory many writers use the generic term novel to include all prose fiction they divide novels into two classes stories and romances the story being a form of the novel which relates certain incidents of life with as little complexity as possible and the romance being a form of novel which describes life as led by strong emotions into complex and unusual circumstances novels are otherwise divided into novels of personality like vicar of wakefield and silas marner historical novels ivanhoe novels of romance like lorna doone and novels of purpose like oliver twist and uncle tom's cabin all such classifications are imperfect and the best of them is open to objections End of note and as such it opens a wider and more interesting field than any other type of literature End of section thirty eight